This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 86 The Cernsey Haunting Hauntings have always been a part of human history. From the ancient legends of vengeful spirits seeking retribution, to the ghostly apparitions that still terrify people today. And what better place to find these tales than in old, decrepit houses, where generations of memories and emotions linger long after the people who live there have passed away. One such house stood in the small town of Cernsey, Georgia, in the 1870s. The Cernsey House, as it was called, was a large farmhouse. It was a relic of a bygone era, a reminder of a time when the South was still recovering from the Civil War. The house was said to be haunted by what most today would consider a poltergeist, tormenting the family for years till they couldn't take it anymore, and then stopping just as quickly as it had started. The Cernsey family was wealthy and a prominent family in the town of Cernsey. They were well respected and admired by those in the community, and they lived in the Cernsey house for many years. But as the years went by, the family began to notice strange and unexplained events happening within the house. In the fall of 1872, Many people fled to the small town now known as Cernsey, Georgia, and Appling County, in hopes to catch a glimpse of a ghastly figure, or at least witness some of the outrageous claims that were made in regards to the Cernsey family home. Reporters, investigators, researchers, and curiosity seekers alike all made their way to the steps of the home requesting entry. Once inside, they would witness the odd claimed behavior for themselves, often trying to debunk the behavior. Most would leave as believers. The Macon Daily Enterprise was the first publication to report on the strange events that took place in the Cernsey home in October of 1872. Alan Cernsey had reached out to report some of the strange experiences that he had been having in his family home. It is reported that the family began to experience strange occurrences happening in their home in June of 1872. 
It was a warm summer afternoon as Mrs. Surrency had been sewing in her bedroom. It was a day like any other day. The breeze from the open window was enough to keep her comfortable as she sat and went about her day. From behind her, she heard a sound. At first, she didn't put much thought into it. However, a second sound was then heard. She decided to get up and see if she could determine the source of it. To her surprise, there was nothing there. She stood there, confused and trying to make sense of what she had heard, when a chill overtook her, causing the hair on her arms to stand erect. Although feeling slightly uneasy, Mrs. Surrency returned to her work. To her surprise, the woman heard the same sound for a third time. This alarmed her. She knew that she heard something before, and this confirmed it. She quickly stood up from her chair and raced to the direction the sound had came from. This time, she found the pitcher shaking from side to side inside a nearby washbowl. She watched as it slowly picked up speed and eventually lifted itself out of the bowl, as if some unseen force was holding it in place. The woman immediately assumed her children had played a prank on her, and she was determined to confront them. However, they were nowhere around. As she turned around to leave the area, she heard a loud crash from behind her. Her heart raced as she slowly turned in the direction of the washstand, only to find everything that once sat on it in pieces. The bowl and soap dishes now lie unrecognizable. The most shocking part of it all was seeing the pitcher still suspended in midair, slowly pouring water onto the table until it too eventually dropped and shattered on the floor. The woman ran from the room, terrified by what she had witnessed. She later questioned the children who knew nothing of the situation. The family eventually decided the only logical explanation had been caused by an earthquake tremor. However, this explanation would soon be challenged by the events that would take place after. The days passed and things had been normal in the Surrency home. One afternoon the family sat down for lunch. As they were eating, the side door to the house flew open and immediately shut with a loud bang that seemed to echo through the home. Startled by the loud sound, the family nearly jumped out of their seats. However, they assumed it was nothing more than a heavy gust of wind from a nearby opened window. The family continued eating and talking about what had been going on that week when the same door creaked open and then slammed shut with such a force that seemed to cause the entire house to shake. The door was just the beginning. The windows in the house began to open and shut themselves repeatedly each time more forceful than the last. Eventually, the window panes started to crack 
and break due to the repeated opening and closing. Alan Surrency and his sons quickly searched the house for any intruders. However, there was no one else in the home with them. The family was left with no explanation as to what was causing the strange occurrences to take place. Over the following months, the dining room saw a surge in activity. During mealtime, the family often experienced the tablecloth being pulled from under their dinnerware, pouring food all over them and into their laps. On numerous occasions, liquids from the cups they had been drinking from, often hot tea or coffee, were flung into their faces, nearly scalding them in the process. They also often witnessed eating utensils broken in two, or being bent or twisted while in use. As the ghostly activity continued and escalated in their home, the Surrency family became more and more concerned for their safety. Despite what they did, it only seemed to make matters worse. Whatever or whoever was causing the strange occurrences clearly did not want them there. One day, son Robert sat reading in the library when a hand iron was thrown from the fireplace, striking him in the process. The older brother, Sam, watched as the object was lifted by an unseen force and remained in mid-air for a moment before being forcefully thrown at the younger boy. Sam made an effort to reach out and grab the object while Robert took off running. However, the object seemed to chase after him, continuing to assault the boy till he eventually fell to the floor. The hand iron then rose back up in mid-air and floated back to the fireplace, returning as if nothing had occurred. Fifteen-year-old daughter Clementine became a target for the strange behavior in the home. It was said that whenever she touched an item, it would then follow her, floating in the air behind her. One such item was a chair that she was sitting on she climbed out of the chair and began walking downstairs. The chair followed right behind her. It followed her all the way down the stairs, out the front door, and into the yard where it finally fell to the ground. At night, Clementine was tortured as she slept. Unseen hands would pull at her hair and her nightgown, disrupting her sleep. One night it became so bad she was pulled from her bed and onto the floor. Her bed was then overturned, causing a loud crash that woke the entire household. By this point, Mrs. Surrency and Clementine had had all they could endure. They decided to leave the house and stay with the Surrency's son-in-law. However, the force that terrorized them daily followed them into the Patterson home. Soon, objects were seen moving on their own. Strange sounds were heard throughout the home. Books were thrown from the shelves they sat upon, and furniture was witnessed floating in midair. It was undetermined if the occurrences were specifically targeting or following Clementine, 
But the Surrencies finally decided enough was enough. They quickly packed up everything they could and fled the home, leaving it abandoned. The family moved into another house on their property, and things were finally calm and peaceful. The family returned back to normal. For them, the events appeared to be over. However, the lull in poltergeist activity was far from over. It wasn't long till the forces that once tormented them had returned full force. At first, the Surrency family was very hesitant to tell anyone else about the terrifying and traumatizing events that had been taking place in their home. Alan Surrency was a prominent member of the community and was thought very highly of. He and his wife had moved to the town in 1850 and started the only general store in the area. Alan also operated the town sawmill. It was easy to see the influence the family had had on the community. That was why Alan originally kept quiet about what he and his family had endured. However, as the events in the home became more and more severe, Alan became desperate for assistance in any way he could get it. It wasn't long before publications were reporting on the family's experience in the home. News spread like wildfire, sparking intrigue from hundreds of people, all wanting to visit the home. All the reports told similar tales, reporting that Alan Surrency had returned home from a business trip only to find objects throwing themselves around the room and his family being terrorized by some unseen force. Several reporters along with many others visited the house, getting to experience the strange occurrences for themselves. One Macon Daily Enterprise reporter relayed his experience in the home. He stated that after walking around the house for a few minutes, he witnessed the clock on the wall's hand spinning rapidly. To try and debunk the behavior, they removed the clock from the wall, only to find it completely normal. This sparked even more intrigue from others wanting to visit the home. One of the most well-known people to visit was Charles H. Foster, a spiritualist medium from Massachusetts. Charles stayed with the family for a week observing the behavior in the home, hoping to gain more information on exactly what was going on. He claimed that he had made contact with the spirits responsible for causing the experiences in the home. He stated that he was told that the family was very sensitive to the ghostly presence, especially Clementine. It was originally thought that Clementine was the main target of the behavior. But as it was published in the October 28, 1872 edition of the Macon Daily Enterprise, it could not be Miss Clementine Surrency, for she was absent part of the time things were occurring, and it is impossible any human being could have done things that did happen. And, therefore, the only cause we could assign was the spiritualism was the agency, and that Mrs. Surrency is the medium. The Surrency family didn't put much stock into the claim. They didn't believe in mediums and ultimately did not provide them with any answers. Therefore, they dismissed the claims. 
They only wanted the chaos to end. The family continued to experience the strange phenomenon in their home for a few more years, till 1877, when Alan Surrency passed away. After that point, the activity seemed to die out, and the terrorized family returned to normal. The once ghostly infested Surrency home sat empty for several years, till it eventually burnt down in 1925. The amount of reported claims from family members and those visiting the home and witnessing the strange behavior were plentiful to say the least. However, there was never any real reasoning or explanation for what occurred in the home. By today's standards, however, one would assume the family had been dealing with a poltergeist. Due to the nature of the occurrences and the effects that it had on everyone involved, it is evident that something took place in the home. Regardless of the cause, the haunting events at the Surrency House remain one of the most terrifying and unexplained mysteries in Georgia's history. Welcome campers to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We are your hosts, I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now the debrief. How's that for upbeat? <laughs> Pretty fucking upbeat. <laughs> All right. I like it. There we go. I had to turn the synergy around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I think you need to bring it up a notch. I'm I'm coming. Is that what you told the ladies? I'm working on it. I'll get there. <laughs> the certainty haunting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, the certainty haunting. Yeah. I like this one. I like I like a good southern gothic yeah. haunting. It's cool. And it helps that it takes place during my favorite era of American history. The, like, gold rush, yeah. fucking homesteading, Little House on the Prairie times. <laughs> you and Little House <laughs> on the Prairie, man. Yeah, dude. I relate it to that. I, like, I learned so, honestly, rewatching You learned that how to show. live on the frontier by Little no. House on the Prairie? No, I learned so much about that time period in American history watching that show. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is straight, this is like straight out of Civil War times and stuff. Like, because that was yeah. what, 65 or whatever? Or yeah, it's Reconstruction era. Yeah, so. Yep. Yeah, I mean, this is like a very, like, monumental point in history. Yeah, it, it's important. Also, settling the, the West was a huge yeah, true, thing true. going on at that time. They were giving out homesteading deeds to people and sending them out. You know, you could. You basically just got a free 40 acres of land from the government. Man, I wish that happened to today. I know, dude. Excuse me, Mr. Government. I'll take a free 40 acres. I think the last person to cash in a homesteading deed was in the 50s, and it was in Alaska. I think it was the, it might have been more recent than that, but I would the love last one to was just in Alaska. Get paid to move to Alaska. Yeah. That would be, uh, that'd be beautiful. Yep. You just have to agree to, you have to clear the land yourself. You have to, you know, build whatever you're going to build yourself. And yeah. you have to like, there's some byline about like having to do something productive with the land or you have to like make the land better than it was before you were there. Or All raised chickens. Exactly. I'm into that. Yeah. 
I'll raise chickens, sell my eggs to get a few pigs. the local market. Yeah. A few, few pigs wouldn't be bad. I'll name them all, and then we'll have a nice <laughs> roast. Yeah, agreed. So who's this one? <laughs> this is old Robbie. Hmm, Robbie. Robbie, you Barbecued taste great. Robbie. <laughs> yep. Now bacon sounds really good. Ugh. Bacon. Um, I know, bacon. I was saying it distastefully. You shut your mouth. <laughs> Dude, nothing worse ever happened to, co to culinary arts than the craze of braiding every fucking piece of meat on earth in bacon. Dude, I make this, uh, this pasta. It's basically like a pasta roll that's braided in bacon. Stop it. And it's literally to die for. Don't ever do it again. <laughs> no, I will. I'll do it again. You're making don't, the world a worse place every time you do it. Don't push me. I will do it. <laughs> so anyway, I, I liked this story because it's because of that setting. Yeah, I like, for sure. I like this time period a lot. I like thinking about like how towns were founded. And like, this was back when towns had like town elders. Yeah. Like, which were basically the people who decided to that they would stop there. Right. And I mean, start they're... a settlement. Essentially, the They're, founder. Imagine being yeah. like a founder of a town. Yeah. How cool crazy. would that be? Yeah. And we dealt with the same thing when we covered the Van Meter Visitor because the town elders were still alive, like making calls for the town at the time that that happened. That's crazy. Which is awesome. Yeah. They basically became become this like council in place of having like a mayor or anything like that. There's They're like basically the Illuminati. Yeah, basically, for that little, like, <laughs> stretch, stretch of, of land. land. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean, I'm I'm into that. That would be cool. And then you're forever, like, there in history. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. That's pretty damn neat. It is. And with a little digging, we found that that was probably... The main character in this, Alan Serency, is probably like a grandfather or something of his, was one of the founders. Yeah, right? yeah, because uh, looking it up was, um, it was actually incorporated as a town in 1911. And all this had taken place, uh, Alan Serency had actually passed away in uh, 1877. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was incorporated in 1911, and it was named after Millard Serency, which was... I mean, just one of the one of the originals. Yeah, which is cool. cool. Yeah, and he had a son or grandson, whatever, Alan, and he ended up running the sawmill, the fucking general store, the dude. All yeah, that. I mean, so. they're they're a wealthy family. Like yeah. him and his him and his wife moved to Surrency or well, the area now known as Surrency in 1850, and they were a very wealthy family at the time. So, I mean, probably the wealthiest family in the area open yeah. up the first store and he's running the sawmill like they're making like making like a huge dent in this community. So, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, because they ultimately named the town after this family. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which That's is pretty cool. cool. I want to have a town so, named after me. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's kind of like the ultimate ego thing, right? <laughs> right. Like, well, I think that's to like, like have your own country. 
I think that's also sort of a man thing that we just like want to put our names on everything. It might be, yeah. It's like yeah. a dominance thing, I guess. Yeah. Like, haha, uh, you know? It's like the ultimate flex. Like, right. you just crossed the city limits into me. It's like comparing dick <laughs> sizes, but it's. Yeah. My, my town's towns. bigger than yours. Yeah. All right, so I did have a question about how this all started. Yeah. So did this story sort of come to light when Alan went to the newspaper, or was it sort of already known in the town before that? Well, so I, I've, I've seen a couple things that seem to be kind of conflicting. Um, whereas the town, some people, I guess, had already knew uh, about some of the occurrences that had been going down. It wasn't, like, really stated who or how, like, the information first got leaked to the town or whatever until um, Alan reached out to, like, the newspaper and, you know, was looking basically for help at that point. Okay. So... A lot of this story took place before he went to the newspaper. Right. Right? So, it's it's pretty classic poltergeist stuff. Oh, right? yeah. Without like, a doubt. The, the bit with the pitcher, not picture, pitcher. <laughs> yes, a glass the, pitcher. Or yeah. China, I don't know, whatever it was. Yeah. Like you might brew sweet tea in. Yeah. If you were from Georgia. Or you might pour it on your face. <laughs> I suppose that's an option. <laughs> I mean, it was it was a no, washstand, like, right? So like, they washed yeah. their hands, they washed their face. Yeah, yeah, because there was an indoor plumbing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so it's sort of like jiggling around. That's the noise she's hearing over and over again. Is the yeah, turns out to and be the she's trying to figure rattling. it out, and she like goes to where she thinks the sound is coming from, and there's nothing to be found. So she goes back, she hears it a third time, and finally discovers that it's actually coming from the wash table. Gotcha. And it's literally just this wash bowl with this pitcher sitting inside of it. It's kind of like slowly kind of jiggling from side to side and gets faster and faster and eventually yeah. lifts itself outside, uh, out of, you know, in midair, lifts yeah. this pitcher, and it's just kind of standing there, sitting there. And she happens yep. to think, huh, I bet my children are involved. Yeah. What kind that, that of... stood out to me. The classic floating pitcher trick that kids <laughs> love to play on their mom. Uh, it happens <laughs> all the time. Like It's so odd. Another one. Like, come on. Yeah. Also, they end up blaming it on an earthquake. Yeah, they, they happen to, uh, they just chalk it up to being like an earthquake tremor. And they're like, yeah, well... Because earthquakes always make shit float. Exactly. That's the only <laughs> logical explanation, I guess. If it wasn't the kids, it was an earthquake. I love those situations where the paranormal actually seems like the most reasonable explanation. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Right. But, it's so odd. But people it's so are counterintuitive. Going to, right. And people are going to challenge that every step yeah. of the way. But it's it's weird that like... You see these like skeptics bending over backwards to like to explain this like rational cause of some of this stuff. Right, like an earthquake like, trimmer. Right. Like if you're gonna be a skeptic, actually be a skeptic. 
Agreed. Like, and sometimes being an actual skeptic points to something unknown. Yeah. Like, huh? Right. It has really no way to explain that, but that doesn't make sense. Right. And that's an okay conclusion to land on. Agreed. Like you don't have to find an earthquake that floats pitchers. (laughs) Like you can't just say there's really no way of knowing what the fuck happened here. But it couldn't have been a ghost. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. Okay, then they have door troubles, which doesn't make any sense <laughs> to me because I've lived in old shitty houses. And, it, like, and of course, their first instinct was probably correct. It probably was the wind opening and closing this door. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? The door is like coming open and then the wind pulls back and slams the door especially if it doesn't like have like a tight you know um, yeah exactly right like it doesn't latch tight tight enough that keeps like i mean because i mean we've all been in houses where like you go to the bathroom and you're trying to get that bit shut but it won't shut all the way because you can just kind of push it open and you're like oh somebody's gonna come in here while i'm pooping so like yeah it's something similar like that i I mean yeah that makes sense sure But it's followed by window troubles, which I find genuinely weird. Oh, yeah. Without the a way, doubt. The way they describe those. The, now, that's fucking weird. Yeah, because... The window's, like, rattling and cracking and... Yeah, and, like, it's opening, and, opening closing. and closing so many times and so hard that it eventually breaks the sill. Like, the window yeah. sill. Like, yeah, it starts now, to crack and break. I did just think of something. On these old plantation houses, we might be thinking of the wrong kind of window. Because these might not be like vertical lift windows. They might be windows that swing like doors. That's you know true I mean? as well, yeah. Because if they're like that, the wind could definitely do that too. Yeah, but I mean, repeatedly, like to where it's literally over and over and over and over. Like maybe I mean, once, a little gap, maybe again, but I wouldn't think that would happen repeatedly till it starts to literally break it. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's a point where you're like, okay, this definitely isn't the fucking wind, right? Right. But like, I could definitely see the wind swinging them open and then like pulling them shut hard enough to break a window. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that I could definitely see that happening. But if they're just like open, close, open, close, open, close for, you know, five minutes. I mean, that's, that's how probably it's described, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's probably, that's pretty weird if that's the case. But yeah, you're probably right. They probably were like vertical. Yeah. They were probably with like a side hinge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was, I, at first I was also thinking about like a modern window. You right. know what I mean? Like and they probably were I mean, not even like, like that. an old wooden window that slides up and, and shuts like yeah. a single pane window, right? Or that has like the uh, counterbalance in the wall. What are those called? Like sash windows? Oh you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Those like you can shut and then the counterbalance is off, so it like pops back up. You know? Right. But I wouldn't think yeah. that would be a thing at that time. I don't know. That's a pretty old. Maybe. Yeah. That's a pretty old. That was probably between the the door style ones and the modern window. So, I don't know. That's fair. All I know is the fact that they had windows 
in their house, like window, like glass windows in their house in the 1870s proves that they were pretty fucking wealthy. I was going to say, I mean, they were most likely the wealthiest family to move into the area. Yeah, clearly. They did have their own store. So then at some point, like the dining room becomes the epicenter of the activity, right? Which is interesting. Yeah, it's like it just seems to mess with them as they sit down to eat. I wonder if the dining room was sort of like the heart of their home. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I wonder if that was... Most people can describe, can tell you like where the heart of their home is, right? Like where everyone... And the dining room is is a fairly Makes common sense, one right like, this Especially, is where the family comes together and yeah i mean this is the days before you know a lot of families nowadays just sitting in front of the tv or something yeah um you know the like, days of people still actually sitting at a table and eating yeah they didn't is, have to tell like little tommy to put his ipad up right exactly yeah little tommy surrency <laughs> with his ipad yep <laughs> He could have only dreamt of an iPad. See, if we would have stopped from our discussion (laughs) earlier, if we would have stopped, little Tommy wouldn't have his iPad. What a terrible world. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But no, I, I, I wonder that because like usually people describe the epicenter of these hauntings and they like coincide, they tend to coincide with what's considered like the heart of the home. Like, where the most like the most like energy in the house yeah. is, you know. Like oddly enough, when we did the um oh, we covered the real early on the Black Forest possession, or... that pos- no, that possession case, oh, the girl. Uh, um, um her name is literally on the top of like tip of my tongue if I'm thinking of the something Gutierrez Lazaro yeah uh estefania yeah estefania that's the one um in that story the heart of the home was that bathroom where they did the laundry like the laundry was in the bathroom too yeah and like the mother and daughters would like she did their hair in that bathroom and like they eventually everybody started going to the bathroom together just uh you know be together that was like the yeah that was the place that, where they congregated yeah exactly which is it seems weird but it like does. yeah exactly it was more than just a bathroom though it was like their laundry room it was like where they got ready mm-hmm. for the day and all that but that ended up being like the epicenter of the haunting was that bathroom so it happens a lot yeah um so i was wondering yeah i mean that would make yeah, sense that would definitely era, make right? sense and there's the dining room there's a lot that. of like crazy stuff. I mean, you know, like the tablecloth being pulled out from underneath. Yeah. Everything they're eating, their food being thrown in onto them and into their laps. What I thought was like crazy was their eating utensils, like spoons and forks and things oh, yeah, like, like that, bending and as they were using them. Yeah. Which that That's wild. I mean that yeah. There's no way to explain that. And thus, little Tommy's pissed that he can't use his iPad and he starts bending his <laughs> right. fork unknowingly That's as he's using it. it. He's just so angry, he's <laughs> smashing it over with his thumb. Um, no, I feel bad for them that they couldn't have been haunted by a better magician. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> it's like... 
if, cause if the ghost could like pull the tablecloth and leave everything that would have been cool that would have been awesome yeah but instead he's just like really bad at like, it oh, so he just more, rips all more. the shit on the floor <laughs> exactly close-up ghost magic i'll be here all week <laughs> unfortunately and then some <laughs> okay so then shit like escalates right it seems to get worse like the sun the thing with the uh floating fire poker yeah so yeah we have uh we have the basically the youngest son sitting there reading you know, uh, was it robert reading in, in their library because of course they have a library yeah. and uh yeah of course there's a fire police there so it eventually apparently the fire something picked up this fire poker this hand iron and lunged it at the boy just smacking him with it yeah and then you have the older brother that's watching the whole thing literally watches it randomly rise and sit midair he doesn't try to do anything about it He's like, huh, I wonder what's going to happen here. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to wait and let back. it all play out. <laughs> I mean, getting hit by a flying fire poker is literally the worst outcome of deciding you're going to sit down and read a book. <laughs> it is the worst case scenario. Yeah. Well, what's That's also such a bad afternoon? <laughs> and then after this happens, Sam tries to go and grab it at that point. Like, he's like, oh, well, this is actually doing something. So he tries to grab it. Robert takes off running, and this fire poker starts chasing him, smacking yeah. the boy as he's running. Like, <laughs> he just paints this awful picture. Like a fucking Benny Hill skit. Right, exactly. Eventually stopping once it's a, once, like, the, the kid falls to the ground. That's so silly. Then it just slowly floats back to where it was. Yeah, it just goes back where they found it. <laughs> I wonder if, like, one of the boys didn't beat the shit out of the other boy and then just make up the, that whole story. See, that's possible, too. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? And then, of course, he's like, say say anything. Yeah. And next time. And you'll time, get the poker again. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> next time, I'll put the poker, poker in the fireplace, and then I'll smack you yeah. with it. Maybe this, this whole thing was just like a... A good son situation. <laughs> Maybe. Where, like, one of the boys is just, like, torturing everyone, and he's like, follow my fucking story or else. Yeah, that's possible. God. Well, there's just one sociopath in the house. <laughs> I mean, it, it becomes a thing, though, like, and in, in people, you know, people eventually, family, friends... Other people in the community witness things; these things actually yeah. happening, though firsthand. One of the reporters has an experience. Yeah, and then right? one of the when reporters for the making what Daily Enterprise or something, I believe it was what it was at that point. Yeah. It was only in publication for like two or three years, I think, when I looked it up. Um, but yeah, like he, so yeah, the reporter even has an experience. You know, he sees the clock, yeah. the uh, the hands in the clock just spinning. And I think it actually ended up being, uh, he watched it as it spun just rapidly, just, I mean, as quick as it could be, a course of five hours over, it progressed five hours over the course of one minute. Wow. And so they, like, of course, everybody's like, yeah, that's bullshit. Like, that's, that's not real, whatever. They think something's happening, so they take it off the wall, investigate it, they take it apart, and of course, it's not been tampered with or anything. 
Yeah. You know, and then I wonder I wonder cuz a lot of these a lot of these phenomena sort of at least vaguely fit into the idea of like some kind of magnetic distortion. Yeah. You know, even with like the silverware bending right, but... in their hands. <clears throat> yeah. You know. And the clock spinning, the fire chasing him down the hall and then eventually the floating back. Right, mm. of course. That's yeah. I'm just saying, like vaguely, it, little like, Clementine getting pulled at, like, and getting like her nightgown pulled at in her sleep, and then her bed getting toppled on top of her. Yeah, that's yeah. The Clementine stuff. The picture floating midair. How can tone, you explain that? Right, magnetically. Sure. Maybe it's a metal pitcher. I mean, you're picturing a glass pitcher, but maybe it's a metal pitcher. <laughs> Excuse me for, you know, <laughs> questioning, but I've never seen a pitcher float float on its really? own, even given any type of magnetic whatever in the area. I'm going to test this. I'm going to just yeah. set up a bunch of magnets and then see if I can float a pitcher on top of them. <laughs> I mean, if you lay down enough magnets and you magnetize the bottom of a metal pitcher, it will definitely float above the magnet. Yeah, but who's to say the bottom of that pitcher is magnetized? I mean, exactly. it would have to be to float. There's a lot of a lot of things that would have to line up perfectly right? to make those specific things happen. Yeah. And that would have For to sure. be intentional at that For point. Sure. Unless little Tommy's still pissed, he can't use his iPad at dinner, so he's going around wreaking havoc on the whole family. <laughs> Magnetizing pitch. I don't yeah. know. I'm just saying. It seems like it seems like there's a lot of like there's a lot of like floating metal objects, weird things happening to metal objects. Yeah, it, but then there's it, also books flying off of the shelves that they sit yeah. on. Food, randomly, you know, like. Yep. And again, all the stuff with Clementine doesn't fit that. Right. Either. And I'd also read um, somewhere in passing that there was what the Alan Cernsey found biscuits. All right, so this this is gonna seem really out there because yeah. I'm I'm trying to recall. It didn't really like fit in with the story, so I didn't add it. Um, so I'm just basically trying to recall it from memory. But he had found biscuits um, that were like in the home that were. Not from anywhere around. Okay. And they randomly showed up, and it was very, like, off-putting. You never want to find unexpected biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. I'm thinking biscuits of, like, you know, like, cookies or wafers or something. Biscuits but... of yore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 I, I don't even remember what else there was about it, but I just remember thinking, huh. Weird not metal shit. Right. That's That yeah. really doesn't add anything to the story, but, you know, now that we're talking about this, yeah. might as well throw it there and throw it in. So, like, the stuff with Clementine, she, like you said, she was sort of being, like, tortured in bed at night. Right. Um... Pulled out of her bed, paranormal activity style. Yeah. 
Like, and that seems to happen in a lot of these haunts that we talk about. Even like the uh, the Ackley family. Yeah. The daughter was pulled from bed, and you know, the bed was shaking. Yeah, and, of course. Yeah. So when when the ghost or whatever it is, when the ghost starts fucking with Clementine, then the mom is like, "All right, we're out of here." <laughs> yeah. We gotta go. She, she takes her and the daughter, leaves everybody else, all the men. Yeah. And then they but go to her son-in-law's house. And it follows them, right? And it follows them, yeah. Which and would, it's like, you know, if you read the conventional literature, right, that means, like, it's connected to them or attached to them, not the house. Mm-hmm. Right? I wonder, because the father and son stayed behind, did they continue having experiences while the mother and daughter were away? Well, see, that's what I wasn't... I wasn't able to find, and I yeah. wondered the same thing. But it wasn't long before they came back because, of course, I mean... Yeah, it didn't help. Right. Because leaving yeah. didn't help. And yeah, then, you know, like, all they're doing is bringing that on another family. So... But it sort of reminded me of the San Pedro poltergeist in the fact that they left, and it took a while before it started happening again. To them That's in the true. New place, yeah. Right. There was yeah. like a cool down period, which is another thing we seem to see over and yeah. over again. Yeah, because even after this family, they abandon their actual the Cernsey family home that all this has been happening in, and they choose to move. Uh, they have another property on an, uh, another house on their property that they move into, and they're there for a period of several weeks before things yeah. start happening again. So that's, yeah, there's yeah, that pattern, that pattern behavior. Yeah, that's a, a standard, pretty much standard thing with these when in these cases where it seems to be attached to the people and rather than the home. Right. There's they move to a new place and they're like, it's like it waits just long enough for them to like breathe easy again. But, like, oh, maybe we escaped it, and then bam, it hits them again. From everything that I've read and come to understand about poltergeists is they don't attach themselves to people. They're attached to the area. Like a poltergeist is often a non-malevolent spirit. Yeah. They're, sure. they're there to cause this activity to make themselves known, to basically right. get the attention of the living. It's just a noisy ghost. Yeah, just a noisy ghost. That's, a, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, so therefore not attaching themselves to the actual person so that's what kind of like because everything about this screams poltergeist yeah yeah absolutely but at the same time that attachment almost is demonic sure it's something right exactly i, I know people people say demon with the attachments right like that's the the classic yeah i mean thing. that's generally the go-to right yeah um I wonder if it was I see I wonder how far away this um son-in-law lived that that I didn't know either that's yeah I mean I know there's, there's a lot of loose ends here that yeah. I can't you know I can't and, but of I mean, course the story this old it's hard to get exactly yeah yeah it's hard to get all the details but because a lot of families back then they would have these like huge swaths of property mm -hmm. and it could very well just been another yeah another on the property house on the property exactly yeah so if that's the case maybe it's literally just 
uh, spirit attached to the area. And then that would, yeah. Right. And then that could fall back in line with poltergeist. Yeah. And they're just like hopping from place to place on this same in this same area, and yeah. it's not going away because they never left its sort of zone, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 true. It makes it's yeah. It makes you kind of wonder for sure. Especially if they only, I mean, they only left for, did you, did, did the story include how long they stayed at the son-in-laws? I mean, it was only, I think it was only like two to three weeks was, was it. Um, yeah, yeah, I believe it was two to three weeks. See, back then it took, it would take two weeks to get far away. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I mean, true. Yeah, true. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was another property, another building on and the same property. They had been there for a couple, uh, to my understanding, at least a couple days, maybe a week before any of this yeah. started happening. So let's sure. say a month, right? So yeah. We'll say a month. This seems poltergeist to me. But it doesn't feel like. Yeah. I mean, there's de- there was definitely some like aggressive stuff see that's the other thing that kind of that turns me off of the idea of it being a poltergeist as well that it was like attacking it's like that like yeah yeah i mean a lot of these yeah like throwing some food in your face whipping up the tablecloth throwing you know slamming some doors yeah. some windows yeah it's like hey i'm here hey that i get that's fine i'm sure the hot scalding liquid in the faces wasn't yeah. intentional it was like a, you know, it's just like a, a, every yeah. normal thing. Um, but like the fire poker, mm-hmm. you know, Clementine being like grabbed and, bed and the bed being thrown on top yeah. of her and being pulled out of bed. And yeah, like all these, all these other things just seem very targeted, very yeah. specific. Maybe it's just too. a really fucking frustrated poltergeist. You're just like, you're not getting the message. Maybe. Yeah, I guess that's possible. I don't know. But then he goes yeah. to the paper. This this is around the time he goes to the paper, right? After they've moved right. house. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Um, yeah, so it was in... Um, yeah, so that was... I believe it was... So everything started happening in they roughly June okay. of seventy two, and in the fall is when he had went to the newspaper. And then based on this newspaper, obviously that gets picked up by other newspapers. It's start, they start covering it, and then people right. start showing up at their place. Yeah, I mean, I, I several different things I read. I I just stated it basically by the hundreds but some even said it was like by the thousands that's and then there was also a thing about this because there's a train train track like this town is very small so there's just a very small train station that goes right by the house and it eventually became like when like these uh you know this train conductor uh basically this place was like an excursion for these people that would take this train line and he it was it was referred to as like uh ghostville or something like that when he would introduce yeah. it and all these people would take the train to this area and hop off to see yeah, if they could come get to a see come to see this house yeah 
Now, some people were invited in. Some people even were invited to have like dinner with the family. You know, I mean, they eventually got so bad that they tried turning people away. They tried to try charging people to deter yeah. them away, um, you know, because they didn't they didn't want anything out of this. There was no they gained no monetary like yeah. anything out of this whole if anything. Thing. He hid it for a while right. because he was embarrassed. Right. Yeah. Exactly. For being like such a staple yeah. in the community, he didn't want to make it known. But eventually... And it was kind of like that last straw yeah. thing, right? But eventually this attention brings in a spiritualist, Charles Foster. Right. right. Which at that time was very well known and, um, you know, in that yeah. world, basically. Um, and he comes in and he's basically saying... He made content like he he experienced some of these things that happened, but he like at by the end of it claims that he made contact with the spirits like haunting this house, and that you know he the reason they tell him the reason that they're doing these things is because or well the reason that, that all this is happening is the family is very sensitive, okay. so they're making making allowing it to happen yeah. basically, which is like it's kind of like saying. What are you, you know? What were you wearing? Like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Without going th that route, that's that's kind yeah, of what I was blaming. You know, saying. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you brought it upon yourself. Yeah. Which I think is silly. Like, that's just, that's a cop out. And that's just like, I don't have an explanation. Yeah. So, eh, that makes well, sense. I mean, at this time spiritualism was sort of all the rage it was like just really picking up in the in the late 1800s right. and it's weird to me like because it was also his idea that clementine was the focus right right yeah yeah it was it was his idea that yeah that they were there she was the primary target and then after several other reporters went in they even reported in that uh, in that newspaper, like the I I read word for word there, um, you know the yeah that article, but basically saying like Clementine was only there half the right. time, so there's no way that she could have been the primary target because all this stuff continued happening, and so the only real explanation was that mrs surrency was a medium now my question here was like were they saying they were saying this in like a in like an accusatory way like she must be a medium she must be like, doing this on purpose no it didn't it didn't seem like that it seemed like you know it was like after after doing the research, this is our conclusion, okay. sort of thing. You know, she that she's she was a intentionally so doing it, why, or that she just had this sort of innate ability I, to. Draw I don't think it, I don't think it was they were meaning it intentional. I think it was just that since she was so gotcha. sensitive, it was allowing all this stuff I to see. happen. I see. Yeah. Hmm. But I mean, I guess that could be taken multiple different yeah. ways too. But I didn't write the article, yeah. I, you know. Unfortunately, I can't tell you specifically what the you know what they were thinking. But that's the way I interpret it. You should get it. the guy who wrote it on for a fireside chat. 
<laughs> I bet he's had some experience. He's got to be what? 140? He's probably going to be kind of quiet, though, <laughs> yeah. if we invite him on. <laughs> we'll just figure out where he's buried and do a seance. <laughs> oh, Mr. Reporter. <laughs> it says reporter on we the call gravestone. We call upon me. <laughs> 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 <sighs> that would be awesome, oh, actually. Christ. <clears throat> but yeah, so, and then all these people start flocking the area. Um, you know, like things don't change for a while. The family has already abandoned the home, but they still continue to have these experiences in their new home for a couple more years till Alan Cernsey passes away in 77, uh, 1877. And then after that, everything basically just kind of stops. See, that tells me that Alan. Right. That's the... yeah. Like there's nothing about this that's consistent, which is weird. See, it, it's very weird. Maybe, but see, like even even as it was reported, Alan came home from a business trip right. to his family already having these experiences. Yeah. That's very strange. I don't know. I yeah. always I always have trouble with the end of these haunting poltergeist type stories. Yeah, I mean it's especially the ones that kind of just come yeah, out of nowhere. It's like, why did it stop? Why why would it stop? Exactly. Why would it stop all of a sudden? They tried moving, they tried fucking having spiritualists in there, all that shit, and nothing helped. And they And then all and then of a the sudden the dad dies and no more ghosts. Exactly. Yeah, it's very it's, it's very random. How did he die? Were you able to find that? Um, I I wasn't. I mean, I, I really didn't focus on that, but I want because if he was sick, this is what I wonder. If he had been sick, if that made him more. Like susceptible, I guess. Well, not susceptible, but would have just made it more sensitive. Could have made the whole family if they were going through that. You know what I mean? True. If they were dealing yeah. with sort of like struggling with the mortality of their patriarch, I could see it opening yeah. the whole family up to something. Yeah, I was trying to see if I could if I could actually find uh find the cause of death, but yeah, I don't huh. If anyone yeah. uh, if anyone listening is it it ends up stumbling upon upon it, but uh yeah, I mean, everything just says upon his death. Yeah. They just stopped. Now, I know we have a couple of listeners who are very good at this sort of thing. So if you can figure out how this guy, Alan Surrency of Georgia, if you can figure out how he died, I would be really curious to know. Yeah, that would be awesome. Because I feel like if he was like battling this terminal illness or something for the last five years. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that'd be... Yeah, that that would make a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah, that basically puts the whole family in a liminal space. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if he just, like, you know, got run over by a wagon or something. Yeah. Yeah, apparently after Alan's death, rumors started spreading that he had been dabbling in the dark arts, uh -huh. if you will. Um, and or had possibly committed some other heinous sin that warranted the hauntings. <laughs> I mean, people are going to yeah. talk, you know, like people are going to just try and make up a bunch of random shit that's going to make it, uh, you know, like, oh, like how there's no like it was in the whole there's time. There's no actual like details about the supposed heinous sin. They're just like. You know, I bet he was no, doing something horrendous. <laughs> well, what do you what do you think he right, would do? Exactly. Did he seem like a guy who would do anything? I don't know. I just it must have been. <laughs> it had yeah. to have been. Uh, <sighs> there are plenty of people put to death on fucking death row who have like raped and murdered and done the worst things human beings have ever done that aren't haunted by poltergeists. You know what I mean? I, I refuse to believe that has anything yeah. to do with it. Oh, I agree. I agree for sure. Yeah, I think it's just at that point, it's, it, it's you know, again, everybody's going to yeah. talk. Everybody's going to try and provide some theory. reasoning. Yeah. So, exactly. Some theory yep. that, uh, you know, it's going to explain everything. I Honestly, I don't think there is an explanation. But, you know... I was on last week's fireside chat. I was talking to Jeremy Vaney and I mentioned the fact that like with these really old cases, I really have no way of forming a real opinion on the like veracity of, of any right. of it because there's no way to like talk to these people. There's no way to even watch them talk to someone else. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So there's no way to get a gauge for their character or what they, you know what I mean? You're just like reading a hundred year old accounts about their, what sort of people they were, you know? Yep. And it's so hard to like get a beat on any of them. So you have to just kind of take the story at face value, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Agreed. It's just unfortunately that's that's kind of where we're yeah. at you know being being such an old an old case and everything i mean there's there's of course you know there there are going to be interviews and things like that that were done and yeah. that are at that time that have most likely have been altered yeah. and changed and you know throughout the ages and stuff like that that you know, I, I don't know if I would, you know, kind of completely trust in that case, Agreed. but yeah, it's just crazy. It is. I like the story though. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, it's, it was, it was a really cool and there was, um, uh, kind of coming off of the story I had, uh, I had a couple things. So there was. In this case, in August seventeenth, uh, it was I can't I think it was 
I, I didn't have the years. The August 17th edition of the Macon Telegraph. Um, the Cernsey family haunting was mentioned in a similar claim um, from another home that was starting to have similar activity. Okay. Um, of a very esteemable lady known as Mrs. Russell Johnson of Bartow. Uh, so similar occurrences basically took place. Items would float randomly and be thrown about. Um, all again without any type of human interaction, interference, anything. And Mrs. Johnson's son-in-law made the connection between their home and the Surrency home and what they had experienced. And he ended up telling the the Macon Telegraph that his family had employed the same quote-unquote colored girl that was employed by the Surrency family at the time the strange events took place. Interesting. And so... They decided at that point to keep a watch on this girl at all times, you know, watching for anything strange out of the ordinary. And eventually she was seen taking a brick that she had apparently had on her person somewhere and throwing it in like the middle of the room. And so after that, she was basically arrested or detained and she confessed and quote, that she was or she was quote the author of the mischief okay and there was never any reasoning provided why she confessed or anything like that uh why she did anything that she apparently did but she confessed that she was she was behind it all um but at that point, it was pretty easy to tell that she was most likely a victim of this whole thing herself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I feel like she was either coerced or something, you yeah. know, like trying to provide just some, some, I guess, final explanation just to help those all that endured this or there was something that was making her, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, whatever. Young black servant girl in reconstruction era georgia is right. hauled in by the police or by authorities yeah i'm gonna say they probably were just like it must be you it has to be you like you're not coming out of right. this room until you tell us it was you because see the thing about it is after she was detained the surrency family still endured yeah they were still endured the two more years yeah. of the random occurrences in their home. So they basically just ruined this poor woman's life. Exactly. Yeah. Just to have someone to blame. Just exactly. Just to have somebody that they can just throw all this. I on. mean, there are so many horror stories like that from this era. Like as much as I adore this era in American history, it was, it was obviously really a terrible time. It was atrocious. Yeah, it really yeah. was. I'm reminded of like when last podcast on the left covered the black plague and they said over and over again, like keep in mind, everything sucked. Everything was hard. Yeah. Like, Oh, without it. Everything. It's same mm -hmm. here. Same thing here. Like, yeah. As much as I romanticize this time period in America, it's easy for me to do that as a straight white man. You know what but I mean? be glad that yeah yeah and so I, you can't imagine the atrocities suffered by especially no not especially at all. people who were freed after the civil war 
Like mm-hmm. those people went through hell for for oh, yeah. generations. It's, it's awful. It's awful. And yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's a really sad story. That's the saddest part of this whole story by far. Agreed. Agreed. That was just. I felt like that was kind of important to mention too because it was it fell on the same the same girl that was employed in both locations that these things started occurring in right yeah so it's easy to say oh they must be linked yeah when the second woman could have just been making shit up to try and get some traffic over at her house you know what i mean she very well could have yeah exactly yeah she was a very esteemed woman (laughs) okay now the other cool thing me (laughs) (laughs) confirmed yeah yeah um so now it's said that uh and obviously the stories of this place have kind of died off over the ages you know i mean this is kind of old old news at this point not really talked about very often anymore talked about on yeah i mean a lot of uh you know podcasts youtube yeah. videos and stuff like that going and telling scary stories of course I would say, just like we are i would say that you and i both spend more than the average amount of time reading about old haunted houses and <laughs> i had never heard of this yeah. one yeah yeah for sure yeah. yep but uh it's said though that still in this area that the train the train tracks where you know they go through this area you can still see a spook light that's apparently that kind of hovers on the track in the distance. Clementine was actually the first one that spotted the light in 1872. Um, Said that it was basically uh, formed into the shape of a man dressed in all white and trying to ward her against going home. And as soon as she goes home, she ends up having like bricks fall on her. Wow. And so, but now it's said that the light can still be seen today. As kind of a remnant of the Cerency family haunting. I like that. Yeah. I like that. What a creepy train ride. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking maybe this is a lighthearted, you know. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Ending, uh, you know, but I I don't don't know. I love a spooky. Yeah, spook lights. I I love the idea of a spooky train ride, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's fun. We've never done a haunted train. That's going to be another one we're going to have to do. I'm I'm determined now to find like a a murder mystery on a train or a haunted train or just a haunted train yeah. like the the Golden Eagle. <laughs> oh, there there are ghost trains where people will like see trains derail and crash and then they like yeah. call it in and they'll go out there and there's nothing. Nothing there. Yeah. Hey, there we go. Those are cool. Yeah. Might dig into some yeah, of that. Yeah, we could talk about a few of those. Yeah. For sure. Well, this was awesome, well, dude. Well, I've Yeah, I I agree. I agree. It's uh, you know, it's a little a little different. Yeah. Kind of a yeah, different era, but uh yeah, story nonetheless is is neat. So I think though that's going to wrap up episode 86, The Certainty Haunting. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, 
So please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at Campfire TOTSAU on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers. Stay weird. And and trust trust in the unknown. unknown.